you have your Bibles today, we're looking to the book of 2 Peter, chapter number 1. 2 Peter, chapter number 1. And when you found your place, we'll begin reading in the 16th verse. And I ask you if you would please stand with us this morning. 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse number 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Now he's speaking about the transfiguration of Jesus. They saw two men speak with Jesus about his decease and they heard God the Father speak from glory, and they saw the glory of Jesus overshine the body that he was in. Look at verse 19. Now these guys were eyewitnesses of this. Verse 19. We have also a more sure, I underline that. He said, I'm telling you, more sure than what I saw, we have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light, that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Especially verses 19, 20, and 21, we want to preach from this text today on this thought, the prophecy of his coming, the prophecy of his coming, preaching a series of messages entitled the second coming of Jesus. Father, would you help us now to rightly divide the word of truth, fill us with your spirit, God, I pray, help us, God, to speak, help us, God, to hear and receive and to apply to our lives, and for this we pray in Jesus' name, all God's people say, amen. amen. You may be seated. The God of heaven wants us to know about prophecy. He's, he wants us to know what he has planned for our future. Peter, of course, was an eyewitness of the transfigure of Christ. And he says, we have a more sure word of prophecy. This prophetic word is as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Uh, a place where you can't clearly see the future. We we oftentimes see through a glass darkly. We, we live in a dark place of moral corruption. We live in a dark place of political corruption. We, we have witnessed weak leadership. We've, we've watched gangs of anarchists go and burn down our cities. We've watched our policemen be mocked, spat upon, and shot and killed. We've, we've watched school systems abandon the Ten Commandments, it's amazing how homosexuality is in and transgenderism is in and, and being a furry. Some of you young people know what I'm talking about in school is in. Preacher, what do you mean? Where kids dress up like animals. And school systems are putting out litter boxes for them to use the bathroom in. That's going on. These things.
things are now in and your Bible is out. We as Christians have become intimidated by social media. Uh, we're afraid of people saying they're offended by us or we're afraid of being attacked personally. But I'm telling you that it's time for the church to roar like a lion and it's time for the church to start living in the victory that Jesus has given to us. Now, uh, on October the 7th, as, as, as we stand this morning, October the 7th, Hamas attacked Israel. Right now, while we're in church, Israel is fighting for their lives. I want you to put up a picture uh, of a precious young couple, Hadar and Itai uh, Berdachevsky and their twin babies. Uh, they were just having a, a normal weekend in their kibbutz, and 1,500 military soldiers cut the back uh, fence of a protected border. Terrorists came into Israel and killed thousands of people, took many other hostage. This young couple, Hadar and Itai, they were killed. Before they died, they took their two 10-month-old twin babies and hid them in a private room, locked them up, fought for their lives. The parents were killed. The two babies were found alive 14 hours later. These are the terrorists that are attacking young couples just like this in Israel. It is sad that people are being savagely murdered, amen, like they're nothing. Women rape, babies' heads chopped off and pillaged, and we sit here and don't want to get involved. Uh-uh, honey, I'm telling you, it's time we live in victory and declare the truth. Preacher Darren, don't you get political on me. I'll pull the Bible on you. Turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 6. The book of Genesis chapter 6. I want to look in verse number 11. Genesis 6 verse number 11. God is talking to, with Noah uh, about flooding the world at this point in time. And in verse number 11, this is what God saw with the earth. Genesis 6 verse 11. The earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. Now, they have a, I, I, I took a frame, I want you all to put that up. The word violence, you can put that up. The blue letter Bible will tell us the word violence is a, a Greek, a Hebrew word. It is the word Hamas. Can you all find that, put that up? Do you see that? You see it right there, there it is. The word Hamas is the word violence. Isn't that an interesting choice that this militant group would call themselves Hamas, which means violence? In Arabic, I'm not making this up. Look at it, right there it is. In Arabic, the word Hamas means strength or zeal. So what our Arabs call strength or zeal, God with the Hebrew language calls violence. Thus began Israel's first war in 50 years. This massacre that took place on October the 7th, I read it proportionally, I'm a math teacher, was 30 times worse to Israel than what 9-11 was to America. 30 times worse. This is the worst mass murdering of Jews since the Holocaust. And we need to pray that God would galvanize our church, our America's leaders, so that our nation would stand with our friend and our ally, Israel. 
I've heard leadership make bold statements before and abandon that statement. I have heard the statement that we will stand with Israel no matter what. There is a strong bond and a tie. Thank God for it. But do you know there's pressure to cave? There's international pressure to cave. There's internal pressure in America to cave. And I'm concerned because leadership is no longer bold like it once was. I consider debacles like we'll stand in Afghanistan and leave no man behind and we abandon our own soldiers. I'm concerned that we take nations like Iran and we give them $6 billion. That's what's behind this. I'm amazed that America can say, well, we believe there was Russian collusion in the election with no proof and have full proof of Iran being behind this attack and say, well, we don't really know. And we, Come on, are we that blind? It's pathetic. Preacher, don't get political on me. Listen, we're living in a day when we're trying to abandon fossil fuels for our cars and pursue electricity, and it turns our nation from producing oil to turn the nations like Iran in Iraq so that we could have oil. Our dependency comes to someone else. We're getting weaker and weaker and making someone else stronger. It is concerning to me. I'm talking about the prophecy of Jesus coming back, living where we are today. Let's think about it for a second. Number one, think with me about God's providence. You're in the book of Genesis. Turn to chapter 12. God's providence. Israel is often called God's chosen people. But if you want to be more accurate, God actually said, I'm going to choose a man. He chose Abraham, and through Abraham and his wife Sarah, God made a nation. He didn't just choose a nation. God chose a man and made a nation out of him. Amen. In Genesis chapter 12, he says in verse number 2, I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee. He's talking about Abraham and Israel. I'll bless them that bless thee. And I will curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And just in case you're wondering for a second, look back at verse 1 of this chapter. Look at verse 1. He told Abraham, he said, Get thee out of thy country from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. God gave Israel a land. Now I want to read something to you out of the book of Deuteronomy. You don't have to turn there. I'm coming back in Genesis in a minute. But look, chapter 7, verse 6. If y'all can find it, put it on the screen. Deuteronomy 7, verse 6. Deuteronomy 7, verse 6. God's talking to Israel. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself. Above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you are more in number than any people. For you are the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you. 
Oh, my. Some are offended that God has chosen the Jewish people and they're a special treasure above all, the, above all other people. May I remind you of something? When God sent his son to this world, he sent him as a Jew. And that Jewish son of God died on the cross for my sins and gave redemption to us Gentiles. I think I love the son of God and his choice of being a Jew. Did you know your Bible? I had somebody ask me the other day, I said, Preacher Darren, the Bible, was it written by all Jews? I said, well, you know, Luke was, a, was a, maybe a Gentile physician, but I went back and looked. He's a Hellenistic Jew. The Bible, every writer of every chapter is a Jew. The Word of God you have is from the Jews. Today the Jews are celebrating 75 years of independence, and they live in a space smaller than New Jersey. That is the providence of God. Number two, I want to talk about God's preservation. In Psalms, you know this verse better than I do, 33, 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. People who recognize God's choice of Israel, people who protect and defend, people who preserve Israel, you'll be blessed. Go back. Now you're in Genesis 12, verse 3. I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. Mm. Look at chapter 15. Chapter 15, verse 18. We're going somewhere. Stay with me. Genesis 15, verse 18. In the same day, 15, 18, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, and say, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land. From the river, Euphrat from the river of Egypt, under the great river, the river Euphrates. I want y'all to put that slide up that just shows, just show uh, the land there. Show the land. Put that slide up. There is a map present day of Israel, Jordan, Syria, and Iraq. Now, I want you, God promised that he would give them from the Euphrates River to the Nile River. That was all theirs. So in white, I marked out that area, that territory. Go to the next slide. There's the territory God gave Israel. 300,000 square miles. Israel never fully took that entire land. But that, friends, is what God gave them. May I just say this before I need amen right here if you agree, that it was God's land to start with. He made it. And he gave that area to Israel. Now, put that slide back up. Put that slide back up. Now, here's what happens. So Abraham arrives there. He goes to his son Isaac, his son Jacob, to the 12 tribes of Israel and all their descendants. And in David's time, put that back up. That white. Now, go to the next slide after that. In David's time and in Solomon's time, the kingdom grew to this purple-shaded area that I have there. Do you see that purple shaded area? That was as big as Israel ever got at the height of the kingdom under King David and King Solomon. And after that, we know the nation split. Okay? And once the nation split, they were carried off into captivity. Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, all these people dominated. Go to the next slide. So we have World War I. And in the green area there, World War I has the Balfour Declaration 
that gave them the land in the green and the blue. But then uh, the British Empire after World War II and uh, of all the, the mandate wore out and the United Nations, the League of Nations came together and in the blue gave Israel this land to be the homeland of the Jews. Look at that little blue area. Now you can go to the next slide. Go to the next one. Look at that little blue area. What the United Nations gave them compared to what God gave them. I think I have a problem with that, don't you? All right, thank you so much for those maps. So the Arabs are now saying that Israel, we have a problem with you because you are occupying our land. And all over college campuses, people under humanitarian causes are standing saying right now, the Jews are occupying the Arabs' land. I did a study. Did you know there are 52 Arab states? There are 20, no, 52 Muslim states. There are 22 Arab states. There is one Jewish state. One. And they're saying to that one, get off our land. Who's the bully? It's not Israel. Ah, people are trying to paint Israel as the bully. So let's just give you a good illustration. Let's say that you got, you and your wife, y'all got theater tickets. And you were setting up in the balcony. And y'all went in and you had your, your ticket stub and you went and found your seat and you took your jacket off and you sat down and your cell phone rang. And it was an important call and you had to take it. So you get up, leave your jacket in your seat and you go outside to take the phone call. You're gone for some time, but you take care of business that need to be taken care of. When you come back, Somebody has taken your seat. That's happened to me at basketball games. And I had to say, that's my seat. And they said, no, that's my seat. I'm in it. Possession is nine-tenths of the law. I said, but I have the ticket sub, which is ten-tenths of the law. Show me your ticket stub. They don't have one. So after we make a scene and I get the ushers down there and they forcibly take the person away so I get my seat back, that's what's happening to Israel right now. The Arabs are saying this is our land. Let me tell you something. Israel was in that land 2,600 years before the Palestinians ever got in it. Israel was in that land 2,100 years before Islam was even a nation or a religion, amen, or maybe I got the numbers backwards, 2,600 years before Islam was a nation, 2,100 years before the Palestinians even got in there. Get your facts straight. The Bible says that the land belongs to Israel. Preacher Dan, what's their ticket stub? Here it is. Genesis 15, 18 is their ticket stub. The Arabs, the Arab nations, They've got plenty of other land. Did you know what happened? When they siphoned off that blue area for Israel, the rest of the green area, they called it Transjordan for any of the Palestinians that felt displaced. They said, that's great, but we don't want that. We want what them Jews have, and we don't want them to have anything. May I just say, God is preserving this nation, Israel. In A.D. 70, Titus came in and wiped the floor with the Jews, killed about a million, took many uh, 
captive and made them build their Roman Colosseums. You think those Roman Colosseums were built by Romans? You're a knucklehead. They were built by Jews under the command of these Roman leaders dominating them, these centurions and stuff. Listen to me. In A.D. 135, an emperor by the name of Hadrian took the rest of the Jews and said, you are no longer welcome to live in Jerusalem. They took them, left, took them away from their land and said, from now on, the land is called Palestina. But the land belonged to God. And God gave it to Israel before Rome, Greece, Persia, Babylon, Assyria, Egypt, before anybody. God said it belongs to Israel. My Bible tells me, woe to any nation, including the United States, if you try to deny the fact for the sake of politics, preference, or popularity, woe to you. I don't have time to preach all this. If you watch great empires, which in their turn, they subdued and oppressed the people of God. Every one of those empires that subdued or oppressed the people of God are come to pass. But Israel is still here. What's the fatal end of the enemies? What's the fatal end of the oppressors? And let it serve as a warning to everyone. So my question is, will America continue to support Israel? There was a time when America would have been Yes, absolutely. And our blessings and the greatness of our nation are due largely in part to the answer. Yes, we've been a blessing to Israel and God has blessed us. Thirdly, I think about God's punishment. In the book of Zechariah, go there with me, almost the end of the New Testament, the book of Zechariah. There's Zechariah and Malachi. Zechariah chapter number 2. Look with me at Zechariah chapter number 2. I want to look at verse number 8. Look what God said. Zechariah 2, verse number 8. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, after the glory that he hath sent me unto the nations which spoiled you, for he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye. You want to try to stop Israel? Go ahead, you're touching God's eye. Zechariah chapter 9 begins to mention the names of many nations that tried to lift their hands against God's people. Those people are now gone. I could go through history. Egypt, Medo-Persia, Greece, Romans, Spain, other Arab nations. See the bombed out ruins of Germany. Listen now, not all those nations are totally destroyed, but they suffered various degrees of judgment. Let me give you one nation that we'll examine quickly. The nation of Great Britain. At one time, they controlled more land and more assets around the globe than any other nation. It was often said that the sun could never set on the British Empire. They declared the Balfour Declaration. And when it began to end, 1948, Israel became a nation and they pledged their support for Israel. Praise God for it. Now listen, the Jews accepted it. The Arabs did not. Civil war erupted in 1967 and in 1973, both times the Arabs attacked the Jews and the Jews won and even controlled more land. Great Britain, Great Britain backed away, slowly, steadily withdrawing her support of the nation of Israel and Great Britain began to support simultaneously 
the Arab nations, supplying them arms, trying to get oil from them. At the same time, they're trying to support Israel. They're supporting other nations. And what has happened to Great Britain? She's been on a steady decline, and she's no longer a world power. America, pay attention. You think, well, we're going to support Israel, but at the same time, we're going to support Iran, Iraq, Syria, Jordan. God has a problem with that. Preacher Darren, you said that. No, no, no. God has a problem with that. And God is not going to bless it. So let's think fourthly about God's protection for America. In 1654, 23 Jewish immigrants arrived in New Amsterdam, which we now know as New York City. In the 1700s, there were 250 Jews living in the American colonies. There was a Jewish businessman named Chaim Solomon, an interesting name, Solomon. He played a significant role in the Revolutionary War. Did you know? When America, when the United States could not afford to fight that last battle at Yorktown, that George Washington went to Chaim Solomon and asked him to use his financial skills to supply money for the United States to fight that final battle. And Chaim Solomon gave them what is now today worth a billion dollars. A Jew, which we never entirely paid back. That we could win the Battle of Yorktown and gain our independence from Great Britain. Put up the next slide about the great seal of the United States. On the back of your dollar bill, above the eagle, there are 13 stars. Those stars represent the colonies of the United States. But if you look with me, you could take those 13 stars and just by drawing straight lines, you make the sixth star, six-pointed star of David. Because America pledged her support for Israel. Every time you reach in your wallet, don't act like you don't, it's pledging your support of Israel. Thank you so much. You could take that down. Now, in 1948, when Israel became a nation, our president was Harry S. Truman. There were many said we don't want to get involved. There's people here today said, Preacher Darren, I don't like you preach this message. We ought not to get involved. It's not our place. Just hang on a second. I'm just educating you just a little bit. He was a Baptist, raised by a good Baptist, and said, well, I read in the Bible, we better support Israel. And no matter what his cabinet said, he said, I am supporting Israel. Thank God for Harry S. Truman. America has been blessed for how we've blessed Israel. But something has changed. I find it more than coincidental that in my lifetime that America's prosperity and our posture and our place in the world are in decline. The desertion of Israel by the United States was once deemed unthinkable. But President Carter started the Camp David Accords to try to bring peace there and cause the Jews to have to give things up to settle. President Bill Clinton, with the Oslo Peace Accord, September 13, 1993, peace between Israel and the PLO. Israel was given up. Israel was given up, not the PLO. Yet they attacked 11,000 people were injured. 1,500 have been murdered during that time. George W. Bush instituted 
a wonderful process called Land for Peace, where Israel would give land and back away and bring peace to the land. You can only do that so long. On June 24th, no, June 4th, 2009, President Obama had been in office six months. Here's his statement. I quote, America has a strong bond with Israel, dot, dot, dot. However, America will not turn her backs on the legitimate Palestinian aspiration for dignity, opportunity, and a state of their own. And a state of their own. You saw what was given. I showed you the maps. We're trying to rewrite history. In recent years, all of our presidents, including ones you love, have expected Israel, not the Arabs, to make concessions. Why? Because the Arabs say, I want my land back. And we know they'll do anything to get it. Preacher, you're preaching this. You're going to get kicked off Facebook, probably. Preacher, you're preaching this. You're probably going to get hate mail. You might get attacked. Probably. I'm just declaring what the Word of God says. I'm not even giving you my opinion. Stay after for that, amen. I'm just going to tell you that we have going down a path of not being a blessing to Israel and we cannot expect God's blessings in return. We have tolerated, we have coddled, we have financially supported Israel's neighbors and they declare hatred towards Israel. They chant death to Israel. Who's the bully? Israel's not chanting death to Syria, death to Hezbollah, death to Hamas. That's not what they're doing. Who's the bully? Iran calls Israel little Satan and they call America the great Satan. I'm going somewhere. Do you think America's current troubles could have something to do with our lack of blessing towards Israel? Do we think the blessing, do we think that the promises of God can be negotiated at a bargaining table? God has spoken about Israel and his words never, ever fail. So may I say this, and I'm getting ready to go to my last points. America's key for survival is Israel. Fifthly, what's the program? God's program. Many of America's pastors, I can take it up, 50. They are preaching that Israel, modern day Israel, has been replaced. It's called replacement theology. That the church now has replaced Israel in the promises of God. And while I can find scripture and I could support telling you that in some senses the church has become spiritual Israel, the promises to Israel as a nation are very valid and still true. The book of Romans chapter 11. The book of Romans chapter 11. They're saying that Israel has no modern revelance. So let's just see. In Romans chapter 11, look in verse number 17. This is a lot. Romans 11 verse 17. And if some of the branches be broken off. Now we see an olive tree. And Israel rebelled and rejected God and God took their branches and broke them off. They were dead. So God replaced those branches. He grafted in the church. Read with me. 
If some of the branches be broken off, and thou, talking about us, being a wild, we were wild, olive tree, work graft in among them, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. So now we've been grafted in. Do you see, does everybody see that? Nod your head. The church has been grafted in. You can graft branches into a tree. We've been grafted into the tree. Boast not thyself against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root. God's the root. But the root, thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And thou standest by faith. You guess what? For by grace are you saved through faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fail. Severity, but toward thee, goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shall be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut off, cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and wert graft contrary to the nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? You know what God's saying? The time of the Gentiles is about to close. And God's going to rapture and take home the believers and the ones that are dead, he's going to break off and Israel's going to be grafted back in. Preacher, I'm not following you. You want to stop Israel? Let me tell you how to do it. God showed us in his word. It's in Jeremiah 31. I'm going to read what Hezbollah Hamas, Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, Iran, Iraq, Turkey, Russia, Germany, and any China, any country that wants to defeat Israel, here's how you're going to get them. It's not by slipping through the back door and cutting a fence to terrorize people. That will not ultimately stop Israel. You want to stop them? Jeremiah 31, 35. Thus, saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day and the ordinances of the moon and of the stars of light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Preacher, then I don't follow just tell the sun not to shine. Just tell the moon you're done. Move the stars and all the planets. Stop this. Stop. Tell you what. Tell the ocean you can't come in today. We've declared war on Israel. We're going to remove them as a nation. So we're going to push the ocean back. Can't be done, preacher Darren. Neither can Israel be forsaken by the Lord God Almighty. That is God's program. Now, sixthly, here's where it's going to get deep. I hope you've got, I hope you got your wade bridges on. I want you to see God's path. 
When I read my Bible, there are three major battles for Israel. One of them that I see is in Ezekiel 38. It's the battle of Gog and Magog. When I look at my Bible in Ezekiel 38, I notice some, some phrases which lets me know when this battle is going to take place in Ezekiel 38. Look with me. Like in um, verse 11, for instance. Okay? He says, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages and I will go to them that are at rest that dwell safely. Now here's a question. I have a question. I need a help. I need help. I need an answer. Is Israel dwelling in unwalled villages? No. Is Israel at rest? No. Is Israel dwelling safely? No. So this is a battle that takes place during the tribulation when the Antichrist stands up and say, Everybody, peace. Nobody makes war with Israel. They're protected. They're going to feel so protected, their walls fall down. They have border security to the Antichrist, who they think is their Messiah. The battle of Ezekiel 38 and 39, Gog and Magog, is in the middle of the tribulation. Halfway through, after the rapture of the church takes place, there's a second battle Israel will fight. It's found in Revelation 19. You don't have to turn there. It's the battle of Armageddon. It's when Jesus comes back on a white horse and all his armies ride with him. And he defeats the Antichrist, the false prophet, and anybody that makes war with Israel and turns against God. Battle of Armageddon, end of the tribulation. There's a third battle in Psalm 83, which when I've studied this in the last three weeks, it is absolutely intriguing me to death. Psalm 83, this is important. Look at your Bible, please. Psalm 83, verse 1. Keep not thou silence, O God. Hold not thy peace. Be not still, O God. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult. They that hate thee have lifted up the head. They that have taken crafty counsel against thy people, and they have consulted against thy hidden ones. Verse 4, here we go. They have said, are you with me? Say amen. amen. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. For they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. God said there will come a time when a confederation of nations, Israel's neighbors, will turn on her. They will try to attack her to wipe her off the face of the earth. I have a question. Is this what we're seeing? Read with me. Now you got to understand, the tabernacles of Edom, the Ishmaelites of Moab, the Hagarenes. Preacher Darren, who is that? Arabians, Lebanon. Read on with me. Jebal, that's part of Lebanon. Ammon, that's Jordan. Amalek, that's Gaza. Guess where Hamas came from? Gaza. The Philistians, that's Palestine. And the inhabitants of Tyre. Asher, that's Syria. Also is joined with them. They have hope in the children of Lot. You see what's happened? Those very nations are the very nations now that are beginning to attack Israel more and more and more. So one of two things is going to happen. Okay? Maybe three. Maybe I'm just totally wrong. Probably am. Hope I am. Number two. What if this is the start of Psalm 83's battle? And either 
Israel's going to wipe the floor with them and they'll take their walls down so they don't have to have border security anymore. That's not it. Or the Antichrist, during this time, the church will be raptured. Preacher, you're not predicting. I'm just telling you, it's going to come a war. Israel's being attacked. The church is raptured. Economic disaster everywhere. Christians aren't here to pay taxes. The government will shut down. Honest, if you take away good, Christian, righteous, tax-paying people, you would have nothing but a garbage pail to pay taxes. And when the church is gone, the Antichrist steps in and says, I have a peace accord. Leave them alone. Back up. I have a plan. I got rid of them Christians. There's all time stopping us, hindering us. They're gone now. I've done it. Look to me. I'm the Messiah. I've got them locked up. I took them away. I have a peace plan. Israel, take down your walls. Take down your borders because I have a plan. I really wonder if we're seeing Psalm 83 come to fruition before our very eyes that Jesus is coming to rapture home his children and on earth seven years of tribulation. Yea, great tribulation. Preacher Darren, you're scaring me. You need to be scared. If you're here today and you're not saved, you need to get right with God before it's everlasting too late. Seventhly, God's peace. Preacher Darren, what can I do? First of all, you can get saved. Second thing, you can pray for the peace of Israel. Third thing, you can vote. Fourth thing, you can make your voice heard. Get ready, Jesus is coming. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. He said he would die. He said he would be buried. He said he would be raised again on the first day of the week. He came into his own. His own received him not. The Jews rejected their Messiah after he died on the cross, was raised again. This same Jesus, he was taken back to heaven. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. He is coming again. John Hagee is a great preacher on prophecy. John Hagee pastors Cornerstone Church in Texas. Listen to this. Every year he has a special Sunday just for Israel. I think that's a good thing, don't you? Just to pray for Israel and to think about Israel and try to be a blessing to them. God's blessed their church just because of that. Now, don't you think for a second. The last time he did it, from the balcony, Palestinians threw down leaflets about why their preacher was preaching a lie. Those men were escorted out. Over the lower level, 10 men were strategically setting who began to get up and protest shouting death to Israel, death to Israel and shouting things that were for Palestine. Those men were escorted out. The pastor kept standing there and he said this. He said, I'm going to preach this message. No matter what distractions take place, if it takes me till 6 o'clock tonight, you're not going to stop me from sharing my voice. My voice will be heard before God when I pray and my voice will go forward before my people because they need to be educated about what's going on. I want to tell you today, if you could do anything, your heads are bowed, nobody's looking, nobody's looking. Preacher Darren, 
I have said I'm saved. I'm in church. But preacher Darren, if the rapture happened today, I really, I'm not going to ask you to come up front or nothing. I really don't even know if I'd really go to heaven. If Jesus came right now, he could come today, y'all. While this war is being fought and Israel's fighting for their life, Jesus could come today. I won't be here for tonight's service. Now, is there anybody here say, Preacher Darren, I don't know if I'm really going to be taken home to heaven when Jesus, would you slip up your hand and say, Preacher, pray for me. I need to know today, before I leave, I need to know that if Jesus came today, and he may, that I'm going to heaven. Is there anybody? God bless you. Put your hand down. Anybody else? God bless you. Anybody else? Preacher Darren, I don't know that I'd be born again. For you that raised your hand, you don't have to move. I promised you didn't have to do that because I, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, you show me how to do this. Right now where you are, would you be willing to call on Jesus right now and ask him to save you? Would you put your hand back up? You put your hand up, would you do it? Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Would you say, yes, thank you. Praise the Lord. There's a third one went up. Anybody else? Preacher Darren, I would call it, yes, thank you. God sees that hand. There's a fourth one, four people. Anybody else? Now, I can't pray for you. You've got to do it yourself. But right there, would you just say, you can say it silently inside yourself. Would you be willing, would you be courageous enough to say, Jesus, tell him, Jesus, I'm lost. I want to be saved. I believe you died for me. I believe you were buried. Tell him. I believe you were raised again. I feel you knocking on my heart's door. Will you save me? Ask him, will you forgive me? Will you let me go to heaven? Ask him in Jesus' name. Wash me in Jesus' blood. Never let me forget this day. Jesus saved my soul. Amen. Everybody's head still bowed. Nobody's looking. Nobody's looking. Nobody's looking. Nobody's looking. Is there anybody here say, Preacher Darren, I prayed that prayer. I prayed along those lines. I asked him to save me. Put your hand back up. You put it up, put it right back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's another one. Thank you. That's five. Thank you. Amen. You can put it right back down. Now, church, will you look at me? Those of you that you're saved and you know you're going to heaven, will you do me a favor? Will you be willing to get out of your seat and say, oh, God, if there's anything in my life that's hindered my walk with you and me hearing your voice and you opening your word to me and your spirit in my life, God, I want to get rid of it right now. I confess it. Lord, I want a relationship with you. I, I don't want anything to hinder me. Would you come right now? And when you come, while you're there, will you say, oh God, help Israel. Help Israel. I understand the Bible. I'm seeing scripture. Oh God, help Israel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, will you spare them? God, will you save them? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Those of you who just got saved, you're coming too. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Just find you a spot to pray. 
in an aisle way in an altar. <laughs> oh, God, you saved me many years ago, and I'm not being all that I'm supposed to be, but I'm better than I used to be because <laughs> now I'm your child. And God, I know I'm going to heaven because Jesus shed his blood for me. And he rose again and he saved me that very night and I'll never forget it. And I know you wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life. And Father, if there's anything between me and you, if I have grudges, if I have alts, Lord, if I have pet sins, I confess them all. Father, I am guilty. I am saying the same thing you say about my sin. It's awful. I'm wicked. God, please forgive me. Help me, God. Fill me with your spirit. Help me, Lord, that I might be a good husband and a good daddy and a, and a good pastor and lead the people of God. And Father, thank you for what you're doing in our midst. And God, I pray you'd touch my brothers and my sisters, touch their homes, touch their marriages. God, bless their lives. Use them for the glory of God. Father, help them, Lord. And God, collectively, we cry out and we say, God, Send peace to Jerusalem. Bless your people. Protect them, God. Take care of them, Lord. Forgive us, Father, for we have failed greatly. Restore our nation to be a strong ally to stand with your people. God, I pray you'll do a great work amongst us, God. Help us, Lord. I still have family members that's unsaved that I'd love to... Let them hear the gospel that they might be saved. And God, I try to talk to them and I try to testify to them. God, save them before it's everlasting too late. Turn us and help us to realize the lateness of the hour. Jesus is coming and may come this very day. I believe that with all my heart. God, would you help us? Thank you, God, for being so good to us. Lord, I ask God you would help us, Lord. Keep us, God, I pray, in your love, in your grace, and in your will. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, church.